0: Locked on Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. If you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday morning or Monday night, whenever you listen to it, the sound you just heard was not your speakers going out, it was probably the Panthers scoring another touchdown on the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> As I'm recording this episode, it is 45-21 in favor of the Carolina Panthers right now. I decided to give, give up on the game once I saw Derek Anderson come into the game. And as you can tell, it has me questioning everything. A new intro this week. No intro, really. This is a Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL, for all your Miami Dolphins content needs. Although I'm not sure you have any of those at the current moment after the third consecutive primetime beatdown of our home team, Miami Dolphins suffering another loss after a 40-0 blanking from the Baltimore Ravens, a 27-23 loss to the Oakland Raiders that really wasn't that close on the scoreboard as garbage-time touchdown got them closer, and then now whatever the score, this game winds up being a four-score victory for the Carolina Panthers. And the Dolphins, where can you really start? I mean... First half, uh, you're going to get a lot of pauses in this episode, guys. I mean, I'm kind of just kind of wing it, and I'm just going to kind of talk about where this team is in terms of, you know, 2018 because 2017 is done, buried, and over with. And I know I've been one of the most optimistic guys you've heard from from your Dolphins content providers over the course of the season, and I, I try to keep a level head. And it's only nine weeks into the year, nine games into the year, I should say. And so if the season's not over, I mean, there's always a chance they could win five or six games in a row. I mean, who am I kidding? There's not a chance, but that's, it is a possibility in the realm of things of the universe, I guess. This podcast is getting off the rails quickly, but as you guys know, the Dolphins are, it's not going to happen for them this year. It's time to start focusing on what can happen next year and kind of some of the places you have to self-evaluate. And I know there's going to be a lot of people coming after Coach Gaze, a lot of people coming after the defensive linemen like Indominus Sue and Cam Wake and some of that stuff I've seen. And it's it's natural to go ahead and blame the guys at the top when when performances are this bad but the fact of the matter is you have a lot of guys on this team that can't still get it done but you have a lot of areas on the team that just aren't up to snuff by NFL standards which is kind of a surprise because I'm, I've been thinking about this for the past half hour 45 minutes hour since the Dolphins started taking that beat down in the second half and i have been trying to figure out what are the areas that I need to improve that I want to move on from? And it's kind of hard because you have a lot of guys in spots that are either young or they're on big contracts. I know the big contract thing is a good excuse, but being a young player is a good excuse because usually guys tend to develop later on in their careers. Obviously, you guys know this. I don't have to dis- explain to you player development. But the fact of the matter is that they have a lot of players at positions, uh, important positions really, that are young and were recent draft picks, high draft picks at that that you just can't simply move on from at this point, just because they had you know a bad Monday night game in Carolina or you know a couple of bad game stretch. So you have to figure out. Which guys are gonna be long-term starters for you or long-term contributors for you on this football team, which guys you don't view in that same vein, and which guys are kind of in that middle zone. And you gotta figure out if you can develop them and, and make them players or not. So the Dolphins find themselves in the awfully precarious situation of being four and five with, you know, no break in sight. They play a short week next week against Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a very, very bad football team, with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback no less. And Miami has a chance to win that game, despite how bad they were in this one. I don't, I, I don't care what anyone says. I mean, recency bias will sneak up on anyone and all Dolphins fans will probably tell you that there's no way they can win that game, but the Bucs are a really bad team. So that'll probably be a good slot fest for the NFL to feature on the week 11 slate as the Dolphins take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the Sunday for a game on Sunday afternoon for the first time in over a month. So that's exciting, I suppose. But other than that, I mean, you have a, a pretty tough schedule following that, the Patriots, Broncos, Patriots, and then Bills, Chiefs, Bills. I mean, I think at this point, as a Dolphins fan, you kind of are hoping more towards losses, even if this team pulled off a miracle 9-7 finish, which at this point, let's face it, would be a miracle to go ahead and win five of the last seven games to get to that mark. And even then, that might not get to the playoffs with 9-7. It could, but if they did do that, are you really looking forward to another wild card beatdown like last year? I know as Dolphins fans, last year was a lot of fun because we haven't seen a playoff game in eight years. But then you get into that first round and you get slapped slapped around like that, and then it's a very sobering effect. And you feel cool about you know having that late round, late first round draft pick because you got to the playoffs and you're part of that elite club in the NFL. You know the Final Twelve is an elite club in the NFL. And it's really cool to be able to say that, but I don't care if this team goes in this year. It's not going to make a difference because, you know, when you get to that spot, you either want to have a chance to contend or you want to have a chance for young players to develop and get that playoff experience. Well, last year they got it, didn't really translate this year. Ryan Tannehill still hasn't gotten that. And that's kind of what I would be hoping for is that Ryan Tannehill to get a, his first stiff of the playoffs. But that's not going to happen because he's out for the year. Although he was before the game today, just like the Baltimore game. And I'm, I'm assuming he does this everywhere he goes, but it only happens to get into the public eye because of the national TV game. But he was out running steps in Carolina, and one of the best Dolphins fans of all time, in my opinion, the British-born Simon Clancy, at Cy Clancy on Twitter, tweeted out he was at the game tonight in carolina bless his heart he tweeted out a picture of Tannehill running up the stairs and he said ryan Tannehill ran every single stair in this building and it was kind of cool to see and you know Tannehill's working hard to get back and I, i'm looking forward to seeing him back again obviously if you guys follow me on twitter at winkle you saw my whitney houston video pairing where i i put i will always love you to the to the tune of ryan Tannehill highlight video. so Clearly, I missed my quarterback. He makes a lot of good plays. And Jay Cutler in this game, let's just go ahead and start with this game real quick and get it out of the way. Jay Cutler was absolutely terrible, throwing the ball all over the place. That interception at the end of the first half took the air out of the Dolphins' balloon, and it was crazy how fast it happened because that 10-7 score, they get the football back. They get a big stop on a Cam Wake pressure, creates an incomplete pass by Cam Newton. They get the ball back, and in the first play, Jay Cutler decides to throw a ball right to Luke Kuechly. It's a great play by Luke Kuechly, don't get me wrong, but you cannot make that mistake. I mean, your chances of scoring any points in that drive. Are low to begin with. So don't take shots like that. But that's just what Jay Cutler does. He's a bad player. He's going to do things like that. That's what happened. He has a bad night. He's missing throws all over the place. He's skying balls over receivers. He's short hopping guys. Typical bad Jay Cutler, who's just here to collect $10 million and get the hell out of here and say goodbye to the NFL. Julius Thomas makes that dumb penalty on that play. And let's talk about Julius Thomas for about one and a half seconds because I could care less about that guy. He's terrible. Cut him, move on. Offensive line issues. I'll have to look at it closer. I didn't really get a good look at it because it's hard to do on the broadcast. But from what I noticed, I thought Larry Tunzel played pretty well. I thought Jesse Davis did okay, but I'm not really ready to stand by that comment yet. Inside, Jermon Bushrod continues to be a problem with Kiki Short. He got his butt-whipped again. Mike Pouncey, I, I, you know, I, like I said, I didn't really get a good look at them yet, but I'll evaluate that more. I think Ted Larson had a, had a decent impact on the game. I thought he played okay. The left side of the line with Larry Tunzel as well as Ted Larson opened up that big hole in the Ken and Drake touchdown run. Let's talk about Ken and Drake for a minute. He just has a certain explosion and a desire about him that I want to see a lot more of. And Damian Williams is a great pass catcher. He's great in pass pro. Drake had a great play on a pass protection call as well. But I, I don't understand how Kenyon Drake is not the starter. And really the bell, not the bell cow maybe, but at least the primary guy. The guy that gets maybe, you know, two-thirds of the carries or two-thirds of the look in, in running situations. Because he is a much better runner than Damian Williams. And I, I like that backfield. I think you get a third guy and then you have a good, a good mix there with those three guys. But those guys played well, I thought, in this game. The running backs had another nice game, catching the ball and running the ball again. Receivers, Jarvis Landry, you know, it, it's hard to evaluate, like I said, from the broadcast. He he had a couple of nice plays. Devontae Parker had a couple of nice plays. I think Devontae Parker, if he can just stay healthy, he can be such a good guy. And Kenny Stills just seems to disappear this year from time and time again. I, I just can't seem to fathom what's going on with that guy. But speaking of the, the Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams comparison, the one thing that bothered me about Adam Gaze in this game, and he was calling a really good game in that first half. That touchdown drive was brilliant. There was tons of of open spaces where guys are just running free into the defense. And that the shallow pass with a touchdown to Thomas was a great play call. And that's, that all comes through scheme and design. So Adam Gaze had a good game, at that part of the game until the second half came around but then his defense just kind of folded on him but the questionable call that I had for Adam Gaze was after that Kenyon Drake touchdown you maybe have a chance to get back into the game it's 31 to 14 obviously the Dolphins allow a huge run from Cam Newton something like 68 yards of the following play and just get gashed for a touchdown after that And pretty much every drive after that the Dolphins defense seemed to have quit on the on the day on the night and on the game but after that drive it's 38 14 at this point and Gaze goes back to Damian Williams, and I can't quite understand that call because obviously Drake had time to rest because the Panthers took their sweet time marching down the field and lining up and huddling and just uh, making it look easy on him. Well, Kenyon Drake got time to rest. I don't see why he can't come back onto the field and and make the next carry after that because you got to give the hot hand the ball. So Adam Gaze, I've I've been very adamant about defending him all year. You guys know that. I think there's a little bit of chink in his armor at this point. His team did not play well tonight. They didn't come to play, and they kind of gave up in that second half. Actually, the defense definitely gave up. Let's talk about that defensive line a little bit. And Tomlinson, he was done with this game after a couple of those second-half drives. You could just tell. Cam Wake, not very effective. He had the one good pressure that led to the incomplete pass, led to a fourth-down punt, obviously. Charles Harris, he got in there a couple times. Will Hayes didn't do a whole lot. Andre Branch has been just a tire fire this year. Not much good coming from his side of the football. Kiko Alonzo, my goodness, that guy's a bad football player. That's a bad contract the Dolphins are going to regret. Lawrence Timmons didn't do a whole lot tonight, but uh, he's been a good player this year. Can't really fault him for much. Ray Maluga played fullback nicely, not so much at linebacker, and then the cornerbacks, and we'll get to more of this your guys' questions on Twitter Melbag, but Xavier Howard, my goodness, how bad is that guy playing right now? I mean, the pass interferences, the penalties, the holdings, the big catches, the inside releases, he's just he's just not doing anything for you right now. So he had a bad game. TJ McDonald has a bad game. He's his keys and his miss... Assignments and finding the wrong gaps and his working coverage just not doing well. Cordray Tankersley, I think you know he is what he is. He's always he's usually in good position. He was very close to getting a tip on that ball on the drop touchdown pass to Curtis Samuel where he got hurt and it almost looked like for a minute there it was going to be another one of those uh, Cordray Tankersley tips for Shaw Jones interceptions, but didn't quite happen that way. Bobby McCain, I think, continues to compete for this team. He played well. He tackled well. He was in, he was pretty good in coverage. He got beat on one inside slant, but that was a perfect throw. You can't really defend that. So. Where does this team go from here? Let's get into your guys' Twitter questions real quick. But first, let's pause for a second talk about profootballfocus.com and your chance to win a free PFF Edge subscription from profootballfocus.com the premier website when it comes to positional rankings, player grades, and snap counts for you draft nicks. They have fantasy rankings, tools, and charts. For you draft guys, they have college pages and stats with draft rankings, all that good stuff you could ask for. Individual team pages, the Miami Dolphins PFF page is fantastic. Follow them on Twitter at PFF underscore Miami, and enter today for your chance to win a free PFF Edge subscription by going into this podcast's iTunes account and writing, writing a review on the podcast, and leave your Twitter handle, and we will choose a winner for that if we get enough reviews. So, profootballfocus.com, enter for your chance to win today. This is the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Travis Wingfield, your host at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. All right, back on the Locked On Dolphins podcast here. Travis Wingfield, your host, at Wingfield NFL. Let's go ahead and get into the Twitter questions real quick. First one comes from Kevin Fielder, at Kev underscore Fielder. He asks, is there any basis to the argument that Adam Gaze should be fired? And I just put one word on the, on the thread there. No, Adam Gaze is here for the long haul. They've built this team around him. They structured it around him. He's going to be here for a long time. The players love him. He's a great football coach, always been a good football coach. Maybe he's trying to kind of get his growing pains out of the way right now, but it's very early in his tenure. A lot of coaches have had worse seasons in their second season and much later on in their career. So don't cut ship. Don't cut bait right now. Don't jump ship right now. I almost paired that together and said, said a bad word, but – Adam Gase is going to be here for the long term, and he'll get things figured out. He's a fantastic football coach. Just don't worry about him. Just worry about the players they put on the field for him because he's, he's going to get it done, and he's going to be here for a long time. A lot of teams overturn their coaches every couple of years and just turns into a perpetual nightmare. So while there are teams that have quick turnarounds like the Rams and the Jaguars and you know the like, It's not common for that to happen and just give it time and and let him build his program here and get guys into place. And and maybe he'll learn from these mistakes about some of these guys that he gave contracts to, or was part of giving contracts to. And that's really what you got to figure out is where, where's the divide between what he did and what Mike Tannenbaum did? Because Mike Tannenbaum, I saw a tweet today said that this is exactly what you get with Mike Tannenbaum. You leave, your team in cap hell and you have a bunch of over like high contracts for guys that aren't really producing up to that level of, of pay. So Adam Gaze is fine. He's not going anywhere. Second question comes from Corey Ashburn. At Corhey13, he says, only positive I saw was TJ McDonald thought Rashad looked bad. What are your thoughts on the secondary moving forward? And then Kevin Durham, my, my good buddy and former podcast co-host, at Kevin MD4 said, don't let the almost pick fool you. McDonald has not been good tonight. And I take his word on that more than I did my own because I, I didn't really get a chance to see him down the field as much. I know he was – I saw a couple of running plays where he kind of got off wrong keys and was in the wrong gap, and he gets taken upfield too easily. I really hate when safeties do that, where they just kind of walk into the block and get themselves out of the play instantly. But – You asked about the secondary, Corey, and I think I talked about it in the open a little bit. It's hard to say, man. I just don't know what you do because I think that McCain can compete in the slot. I think that Tankersley is a good player on the edge. I think Jones is one of the best safeties in football. I think McDonald's not going anywhere because you just gave him a huge contract. So... That leaves you with one spot. And do you feel good about just making one change? Maybe you do. Maybe it can change things around. Maybe you can draft Aminka Fitzpatrick in the first round and everything gets better, like the Saints got with Marshawn Lattimore where that lockdown corner changes the way your entire defense is built. And next year you get Tony Lippett backs. So maybe he comes in and competes with Xavier Howard, but right now Xavier Howard is a disaster. He's playing such bad football right now. And he started off kind of shaky, but he was he was competing and getting in the guy's faces and, and kind of staying in the hip pockets. But he's so physical and he can't really kind of figure out how to match that physicality with with technique and not get in the way of players and cause penalties and, and get the big flags and the big yardage that way. But he's also given up big catches too. So, you know, no playmaking skill so far in his career, has never made a pick or caused a fumble or any of that type of stuff. Not really shutting down anybody by any stretch of the imagination. So what does he do for you? I think that's the area you have to look at right now and really be concerned about because his area of the field has just been easy pickings for the most part this year. Question number three, I can't ask this answer this next one. It's kind of a funny one. Basically asked me how I'm going out in terms of a suicide and I, I just said that uh you know, I watched every single snap of two thousand seven so this Miami Dolphins team will never phase me. I'll always be here. And, I, you know, I love this team so much, and I like to cover them from a professional aspect that I want to be, you know, a beat writer or someone that covers this team for, for a living. That's my dream job. That's what I want to do. But I'm also a big fan of this team, and nothing can make me happier. And I know that's kind of a weird thing to say. Like, I just get so jacked when they win big games. It's such a fun, exciting feeling. And then when they lose, I mean, the t- the tough games, the tight games, those ones are hard. These blowouts, they suck, and they just kind of kick you in the, in the gut. But also, it's kind of easier to overcome because you just haven't really had have much expectations when the game gets so out of hand so quickly. But, you know, this team is, is a big part of my life, and I, I hope that it continues to stay that way, and it, it will continue to stay that way. I just hope they get give me a reason to be more excited again. So those are the only questions I got on Twitter tonight. Don't blame you guys for not wanting to get too involved into this discussion. At Wingfield NFL, at Lockdown Fins. you can follow the show and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. I'll be doing some writing this week. I'm just not quite sure on what yet. Maybe a kind of inventory on the Dolphins right now as we move forward. I know everybody wants to kind of learn about what's going to happen next year. Maybe we'll get more into the draft. and I'll try to get some guys, some guest columnists, and some guests on the podcast talking about draft in the near future. I'm going to get Chris Kaufman on, whether he likes it or not. I've been talking to him a lot about that, and he's kind of ducking me, but he says he's going to do it one of these days. So at CK Parrot on Twitter, we'll get on the show for draft talk here soon. But this is the Locked on Dolphins podcast, Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL. Just a couple of more notes before we get out of here for the podcast. I will give you guys plenty of stuff throughout the rest of the week, and maybe kind of digest this a little further and, and give you more of a, a comprehensive view of this team and their future and where they're heading. But right now, let's just uh, let's get out of here with a couple of closing thoughts and just talk about maybe. You know, Matt Burke and the way the defense played tonight and the way the team kind of quit on him, it, you know, I compare it to the, the 2016 Los Angeles Rams because the Rams came into that season and we all know what Jeff Fisher said about this team not going 7-9 or 8-8 eight and eight or whatever, you know, you guys know the whole spiel and how he was probably one of the worst coaches in NFL history that season. You know, he didn't even know who the players on the opposite team were, didn't really have much involvement in the game plan or anything like that, so he was famous for that, but that whole team relied upon a great defense and his speech was centered around the fact that he had this fantastic defense and a ton of talent on that football team. He thought that Todd Gurley was going to be, you know, the big deal that he, he is now. And you look at their defense and they have all these stars and this awesome defensive line, and these players on the secondary that can get it done. And they played really well through the first seven, eight, nine games of that season. But then once Jared Goff comes into the game, and he can't do anything worth a damn on offense, and their offensive play calls are so bad, and they can't move the chains to save their lives, you know, getting a first down for them is a big of an accomplishment as scoring a touchdown is for some teams. And the defense just fell apart because of that. That's what's gonna happen to any team in the NFL. Now the Dolphins team has played uh, nine, ten, ten consecutive weeks now. And this defense is getting ran out there for 70 plays a week almost, it seems. And, and it's consistent three and outs. And the quick change of the turnover after that, like I mentioned, the Jay Cutler pick tonight, just constantly getting themselves around to the field. And you, you what, good, what motivation do you have to get a stop or a takeaway when the offense is just going to punt the ball back in four plays and in about five minutes of real time you're back onto the field anyway? So that's kind of what I felt like that happened to the defense tonight. Matt Burke has to make a change. He has to make an adjustment because the league gets adjusted to him. I raved about him early in the season. He was doing all kinds of cool things with overload blitzes, exotic blitzes, dropping out defensive linemen into coverage, playing that hook zone, baiting guys, funneling coverage into certain areas, playing quarters, three, three man, two man, single high. He was doing all kinds of cool stuff and mixing it up. But now his zone coverage is that he is still running in the same way. There's film on that now. And teams are adjusting and they're making those adjustments and and making the Dolphins pay for it. And the Panthers just dominated the Dolphins in that fashion tonight, picking on those zones and picking on Xavier and Howard. So he has to make an adjustment, but he's another young guy. I I trust these young coaches to kind of learn and grow. I think that it's just blasphemous to suggest to fire everybody when they have a bad night or a bad day. And with players, maybe that's more of the case, but with a coaching program, you put a lot into hiring these guys and a lot of resources. And yeah, it's good to, to admit a mistake when you make one, but I don't think the Dolphins have made a mistake on this coaching staff by any stretch The imagination. I love Adam Gaze. I think a lot about Matt Burke. I think a lot of Clyde Christensen as well. So I think that they have the right staff in place. Just got to maybe weed out Mike Tannenbaum and start thinking about making a change in the way you structure things from a personnel standpoint and get Chris Ballard maybe a little bit more involved in that process as well. And so they can kind of marry up the idea of their draft and free agency because I thought there was a great structure in place with Tannenbaum kind of picking the free agents and working the contracts. Chris Greer being the one that is more involved in the draft prospect. And then Adam Gaze being the one that kind of says, This is what I like in a player. And then they kind of go off that and that was a really good marriage and i like that structure a lot but it seems like there might be some kind of a disconnect there because it's just not coming together for him so maybe a change in structure matt burke has has to make some adjustments adam gaze has to find another way to kind of Relate to these guys on another level because he has, you know, kind of fallen into that second year slump here now with three consecutive losses all in prime time, and the Dolphins are obviously a kind of a punching bag in the NFL right now. But I think that there's there's room for optimism there to grow, and and you know I've kind of talked myself into it over the course of this 25 minute long podcast or however long we are now, but. The Dolphins, you know, they're, they're four and five. They got a tough schedule ahead. I think we're all going to be looking forward to next April, but luckily there's still college football and the NFL playoffs are always fun. So that's going to do it for today's Locked On Dolphins podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Tuned In, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and leave us a rating, review. That really helps the podcast grow. You guys know the drill by now. Check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts, including the Locked On NFL podcast and Locked On Heat podcast for local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com, as well as the Palm Beach Post with Joe Shad. He features some of my work every now and then he's a great writer and an even better dude so check him out and come back tomorrow for another episode of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football